0: You deserve an advocate. The advocates will deal with the insurance company and defer medical bills, so all you need to do is rest and get better. The advocates will handle the overwhelming legal stress of your accident because you didn't deserve to be in an accident. Chat directly with a local attorney online at MontanaAdvocates.com. It's finally golfing weather. The sun is shining. It hit 80 degrees in Missoula today. And we're coming off a weekend where not only do we have the Masters, but we also had spring football that we could actually watch. Welcome in to On Is Now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. Thanks so much for hanging out with us here on your Monday. Hope you had a great Easter weekend. We had a a long weekend, but a good weekend. Spent Friday night, right after getting off the air here on this show, rolling right into the Grizz spring game. So I got to see 78 minutes of football action on Friday night. It was short, uh, but it was pretty sweet. This Grizz team have no idea how they're going to be. But I can tell you that they're a heck of a lot different than last year. And there was a lot of intriguing things that I saw and a lot of interesting things that I saw on Friday night. So a ton to get to. It's also been a pretty wild last couple weeks in sports in terms of the comings and goings and mostly goings from the Big Sky Conference. It started with the news of Darian White, the uh, multiple-time All-Big Sky point guard for the Montana State women's team, entering the transfer portal using her fifth-year eligibility elsewhere. It continued with Josh Bannon, all-Big Sky power forward for the Montana Grimm's men's basketball team, declaring that he's going pro. And then we got subsequent announcements from other MSU stars like Cola Badbear and Madison Jackson that they would not return for their fifth, uh, their extra COVID year, as it were, there at Montana State. And it kept on going, kept on going. Steel Venters, the Big Sky MVP out of Eastern Washington, he entered the transfer portal. He's now out of the transfer portal. He committed to Gonzaga over the weekend. But then perhaps... And I would actually say for certain, the biggest domino to fall in the Big Sky Conference thus far became officially official today. Danny Sprinkle, as reported on Friday, out at Montana State because he's in at Utah State. So we will continue breaking down the Sprinkle hire. Danny Sprinkle did have his first inaugural press conference there at Utah State in Logan today. Uh, So I went through that. It's actually, it's very, very long. So I was listening to it before the show. I listened to about 15 minutes of it, but I still have probably another 25 minutes of it to listen to. So uh, rather than rush through and cut all that up for today, we will have a more elongated segment featuring sound from Danny Sprinkle's first press conference there at Utah State. And of course, Sprinkle was kind enough to join us weekly during basketball season for the last four seasons. I pitched this idea to him when he first was hired at Montana State, and he said, no problem, love to do it. You and I just decide we'll set up a time once a week and uh, 10, 12 minutes, let's roll. And uh, so it was very kind of him to always be so consistent and to always give me so much time. I very much enjoyed our talks weekly and I very much enjoyed getting to know Danny Sprinkle. So we'll effort down there at Utah State. I'm just waiting, though, for things to kind of the dust to settle, right? I mean, he's probably getting hundreds of texts a day. He's trying to figure it all out. I know just from talking to people close to him, it was a heart-wrenching decision. Leaving your alma mater always is. And and that's something I think that we set, sort of go through here in Montana is, you know, first of all, make no mistake, Danny Sprinkle is the first Montana State coach to move on and move up, so to speak, uh, in, in men's hoops in, in 100 years. I mean, truly, uh, the last example is probably Ott Romney back in the 1920s. So, I mean, it's literally been a century since a Montana State men's basketball coach got a job that you'd consider sort of an elevation professionally. That's exactly what Danny Sprinkle did. Uh, But it's always tough to leave your alma mater. And we've seen that at Montana several times. Like when... um, When... Mike Montgomery decided to move on and move up, or when Blaine Taylor decided to to leave his post as the head coach of, of Griz men's basketball. Wayne Tickle, Eric Stoviak, those guys also. Uh, it's excruciating because you know you're leaving a place that was either your primary or your secondary home. You're leaving a place that sort of molded you as a man. And uh, it also sort of eliminates a place in which you could fall to, right? If you leave your alma mater, the chances of you returning to your alma mater is something within your professional career gets derailed. That's sort of eliminated uh, as well. So we'll talk all things Grizz, spring football. We'll talk all things Danny Sprinkle here in hour number one. Hour number two, our good buddy Riley Corcoran will join us for about 20 minutes. He's just going to join us on the phone. But a lot to get to with Riley. I was just texting him last night. I guess yesterday afternoon into the evening, all about the Masters. And I was like, hey, man, we haven't caught up in a little while on the radio. Why don't you just come on tomorrow and, and we'll talk all things Masters. But then, of course, Riley, the voice of the Grizz, he was at the Grizz spring game as well on Friday. So we'll talk uh, some Grizz spring game with him as well and to maybe get his reaction to uh, Josh Bannon, uh, the, the the first and I believe only member of the Missoula media thus far to hear from Josh Bannon is Riley Corcoran. Bannon jumped on the Inside the Den podcast with Riley, uh, so go check that out. Uh, but we'll talk about his impressions of Bannon uh, hitting the uh, hitting the free agency market, basically, uh, going to Australia and uh, announced last week p- to play for the Brisbane Bullets. So a ton of stuff to get to uh, with Riley, uh, as always. So it uh, should be a jam-packed, fun show. The uh, news of the weekend, other than Danny Sprinkle uh, moving from Montana State to Utah State, and other than the Grizz spring game, a couple... Uh, news briefs for you. It is known now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. Pro Day stole the show yesterday, or excuse me, last week, both in Missoula and in Bozeman. Some outstanding performances that really I thought elevated the stock of the participants, particularly Patrick O'Connell at Montana and uh, particularly Ty Okada at Montana State. On that note, Trey Webb was a guy who had a great pro day last year for Montana State. He had a cup of coffee with the Atlanta Falcons, but ended up not making the roster or the practice squad. Uh, He was inactive here this last year, but he just signed uh, with the Canadian Football League. So former Montana State, All Big Sky, DB. uh, He signed with the BC Lions. So the connection from Montana to the pros and, and the CFL Uh, Continues as well. Uh, The other piece of news in the college football world, Simon Fraser dropped their football program. That has been uh, a very, very controversial point of contention and, in fact, largely, uh, resoundingly uh, opposed. There's been Canadian Football League coaches and uh, other people from around the world of Canadian football that have completely denounced this this decision by Simon Fraser. For those that are unfamiliar, uh, there's certainly... Plenty of universities and colleges in Canada, much like there is in the United States, but there's only one that plays American rules, eleven-on-eleven 11 football against American competition. That's Simon Fraser. They were in the the Great Northwest Athletic Conference for a while. That was the the main impetus toward their athletic administration canceling football was the lack of a, a cohesive conference. They were like toying around with the idea of playing in the Lone Star Conference, which is most mostly Division II schools from Texas. Uh, But there's a lot more to hash out here. I talked to Keelan White about this off the record, I guess just not on camera, but he and I had a discussion at the Grizz Spring game about this because Keelan White, he hails from the Vancouver area there in British Columbia, and he was uh, outward on Twitter talking about uh, how he thought it was uh, a poor decision by uh, Simon Fraser, and he also gave me some good insight into just what it means for Football in Canada, but also just the, the pipeline that Simon Fraser was to the CFL. There's a ton to hash out there, and I don't want to hash out it out right now, uh, but I, 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 we will talk about that a little later on in the week because I think that when the pandemic hit, there was this sort of widespread speculation that it was going to be this fundamental erosion of lower-level college football, and we haven't seen this massive shutting down of programs, but this is one of those. But I don't know necessarily if it's pandemic-related as much as it is just apathy. So that that was just, uh, you know, another one of your uh, news briefs uh, from the weekend. And other than that, uh, pretty much all quiet on the Western Front. Nothing crazy to report uh, from over the weekend other than John Rom won the Masters. How about that? Uh, we'll talk a lot more Masters in hour number two, but Rahm uh, hung around, Toward the top of the leaderboard the first couple rounds and then and really played well on Saturday and then really played well yesterday as well. While Brooks Kepka, who was out in front of everybody by a whole bunch of strokes, headed into the weekend, uh, he was not able to keep pace. Brooks Kepka shot a 65 and then a 67, and then he was in the 70s over par two rounds in a row, so he fades all the way back. Uh, how about this? On 18, Kepka missed a uh, birdie putt that would have given him outright second place. That putt cost him $350,000. Either way, he's still making $1.5 million for finishing up there. And it was certainly almost the return uh, of this now vilified but once incredibly popular golfer, uh, so much of it's because of the live. so much of it's because Kepka's sort of fallen from grace from a talent standpoint, or I guess from a performance standpoint, his talent is prodigious, his talent is unbelievable but uh, from a performance standpoint, he, he's fallen uh, by the wayside maybe just a little bit but maybe that that notion was proved incorrect uh, with the way he was able to put it together for like two and a half rounds this weekend, but then he kind of fell apart on Sunday. A bigger conversation there, and maybe we'll get into it with Riley Corcoran uh, in hour number two. But those are sort of your your news of the uh, of the weekend coming in here to your Monday. Let's dive into the Montana Football Hour. It's presented by Blackfoot Communications. Gotta say thank you to the folks at Blackfoot. I spend a lot of time with these fine people, and they are huge supporters of us. We are so happy to have them on board as partners. But they also invite me to various community events. Uh, so Debbie Dantic, who's one of uh, a good friend of mine now, and and also uh, such a great uh, liaison for Blackfoot, she invited me to go to the City Club meeting today uh, down there at the DoubleTree Hotel. And today's City Club theme. If you're not familiar with City Club Missoula, City Club Missoula is a monthly gathering, and uh, there's usually a talking point, and there's a there's a moderator, and then there's a panel of folks discussing uh, various topics. I've gone to these before. I've talked about the one I went to with some of the political candidates recently, Monica Trunell and, and Ryan Zinke, namely. Uh, that was a couple uh, months ago. But then today, the talking point was state of the community uh, here in Missoula, and the the guest, uh, the panel members were Seth Bodner, the president of um, the University of Montana, as well as the county commissioner, and, and as well as. Uh, Acting Mayor Jordan Hess. So um, very fun, very informative. Um, I, I want to find a way to have some sort of discourse and discussion in a recorded format with uh, a lot of you out there that that listen. Uh, or at least for a lot of you out there that listen. But I don't want to go into those weeds right now uh, because you're here to hear about the Grizz Spring Game. So let's dive into that. But thanks to our great folks at Blackfoot. It was fun to to have lunch with everybody and be a part of a a stimulating intellectual discussion about the state of this community, which uh, here as we broadcast to you through the uh, ESPN MT studio here at the Missoula Broadcasting Company, what a great community we live in. (laughs) When When it's 80 and sunny, then you really remember how great it is to live in Missoula, but uh, it is a cool place to be, and uh, we are so happy to be coming to you here uh, on ESPN Radio in Missoula, around the great state of Montana, on SWX Montana Television, and uh, around the world on the ESPN MT app. These last couple years, and specifically last season, covering Grizz football, uh, it was an arduous task, and, and part of that is because I think that there's always so many different detailed, um, specific stories on any given football team. That's why football gets so much publicity. That's why it's so engaging and entertaining to cover. It's why the machine can churn at such a high level because there are so many stories. There's so much content that could be produced. But I thought last season for the Grizzlies, you could talk about all these individual uh, minute stories But the the primary and dominant and almost exclusive storyline around the Grizz was, this team has unbelievably high expectations. It's the first time they've had unbelievably high expectations in more than a decade. It is the first time they could have true national championship aspirations since the rehiring of Bobby Houck. And so the the primary dominant and almost exclusive storyline last season was, can the Grizz handle the expectations bestowed upon them, and can they live up to them? Can they maybe even exceed the high expectations and truly make a run? Well, we went through it all on Friday, but but largely last year did unravel on the Grizz, and while they did make the playoffs, they uh, and they did win a playoff game against Southeastern Missouri, still a far cry from a team that came into the season as a preseason top five and climbed as high as number two in the polls and was stacked with a variety of unbelievably talented players, from Justin Ford at cornerback to Patrick O'Connell at outside linebacker, Robbie Houck at uh, strong safety, Malik Flowers at kick return, you're talking about all first-team All-American caliber guys. All four of those guys I just named, and so largely last year was disappointing, and you know just sort of the. the the re, the repeat of not being able to live up to the expectations and the way that some of those expectations confounded upon themselves and sort of crushed the team last year, um, it, it was fascinating. It was fascinating, but it was also sort of arduous to cover the entire thing. I mean, watching a team f- fail to live up to the promise that they had shown and also just the uh, the potential that a great many around Montana believed that they had it was interesting. So then I went into Friday night's spring game having not watched any spring football. It's The first time in my entire career that I was not able to make it to any spring practices until the spring game. And I went in with an open mind, but also just sort of a a, a blah attitude just about what we might see. Well, I, I can tell you, it's it's not all um, it's not not all rainbows and pots of gold, but. I do think that this Grizz team is incredibly intriguing because what I saw, particularly from what I saw from a positive standpoint on Friday night, means this team is going to have objectively or is going to need to have objectively a completely different uh, identity. The Grizz have had the talent to be and have sometimes have been lights out defensively these last couple of years. Actually, I would say more often than not, the Grizz have been lights out defensively these last handful of years. Uh, they certainly are an incredibly fast, physical, and um, aggressive defense. And that has been tried and true since Bobby Houck returned. Last year, they had... Uh, some moments in which they had a hard time, particularly against power run teams like Montana State and North Dakota State. But make no mistake, the Grizz defensive talent has been exceptionally good the last couple of years. Well, I think that this year's Grizz team, just my broad thought on what I saw on Friday night, they have a whole bunch of unproven young guys who have the potential to maybe step up and become those next stars defensively. But I do think their defense is going to take a step down, at least initially, because they had such great veterans the last couple years that played so much football for them. On the other side, though, the addition of Sam Vidlak is what I think of great many people that follow University of Montana football has been waiting for. Vidlack is is not the runner of like Dalton Sneed or even Lucas Johnson, but he is a exceptional thrower of the football. I was I I went in with with lukewarm expectations. I thought, you know, that the best scenario I thought for Sam Vidlack would be that I would think he was like an above average type big sky quarterback. He's really, really good. I, I thought the, his ability to throw receivers open, he made, I mean, he made at least four throws in Friday's spring game that no one at Montana has been able to make since Dalton Snead graduated. So I do think there's a lot of optimism around that. And then it goes back to this question I've had almost constantly here this entire offseason, and that is can the Grizz win with their quarterback? Can they, can they make that a part of their style and their identity? The last several years, even though they've had relatively talented players at quarterback like Cam Humphrey and Lucas Johnson, the the formula for winning was a momentum-based style that rests so heavily on its special teams being able to flip the field and or make explosive plays, and a defense that smothers you, doesn't let you run the football, gets a whole bunch of negative plays, rushes the passer. You know, I mean, 101 tackles for loss and 35 sacks last year for the Grizz defense. That's the style they wanted to play. That's the identity they wanted for the team. Given that they are now younger and less experienced defensively, they have a new defensive coordinator who's a first-time defensive coordinator in Ronnie Bradford, and they have a veteran OC in Brent Pease, but who is a new to this position at Montana, at least in this iteration of him coaching at his alma mater. Can they transition their identity as a team? Because what I saw, Brian, again, this is a, from 78 minutes of watching, so... Uh, There's not a a huge body of work, and I can't wait to to see them on the field again uh, this summer uh, during PRPs, but also uh, in fall camp in August. But from what I saw, my broad initial take is that this team could be competitive to good and maybe very good if they embrace that the, the vast majority of their most proven and most talented players are offensive players. That was my number one takeaway from Friday night. I thought Vidlak looked great. Uh, He far exceeded my expectations. He was 11 of 15 for 152 yards and two touchdowns. His 29-yard touchdown throw uh, to Ryan Simpson, an absolute dime. Threw it right at the pylon, set it up perfectly. Simpson, who's 6'6", caught the jump ball over the defender. You couldn't have thrown it any better. Vidlak's 25-yard touchdown pass to Keelan White was also so good you know, the nuance of being able to throw a receiver open, that's something the Grizz have been missing since Dalton Sneed graduated. Bidlack can certainly throw guys open. He threw White open so well that White caught the ball in stride and he had so much momentum, he almost ran into the goalpost in the north end zone. Uh, but both Bidlack's touchdown throws were absolute dimes that that's the number one impression that it is that the grizz if things go according to plan i think they found themselves a pretty dang good quarterback can they empower that to be a winning part of their team or a team that is an essential part if not the most crucial part to winning can can they do that can they let that become part of their identity as a team uh, that'll be the, one of the big question marks moving forward but how intriguing is that right i mean you have a, a, a incredibly productive in terms of overall wins and wildly successful head coach in Bobby Houck, who's won a certain way for most of his career. And now he's got a team where you can win in a different way. Can they transition and accept that? That's going to be such a huge part of this. But then I also saw a lot of folds as well. This is obviously very vanilla, not a ton of um, creativity, yet the offense still looked Exceptionally more creative than it did the last, especially last season, but even the last two years. And I think that that's Brent Pease's fingerprints all over it. Two of the stars of this scrimmage Aaron Fonts, a junior wide receiver, who, uh, to a man, we interviewed Bobby Houck, uh, Levi Janicaro, senior linebacker out of Missoula Big Sky, and Aaron Fonts. Uh, and Houck and Janicaro both, and so did Keelan White, mention that Fonts was sort of the breakout guy of spring. That's the second spring in a row he's kind of been that breakout guy. You could certainly see some differences in them getting him the ball, and same thing with White. So we asked both of these guys uh, the fundamental differences uh, in the offense under Brent Pease. Here is what Aaron Fonts had to say following a six-catch, 79-yard performance that included a touchdown from Chris Brown, junior wide receiver out of Oxford, California.
2: Uh, it feels good knowing that, you know, coming in with, you know, not really new coaching ch- changes, just, you know, not new coaching staff with coaching changes, you know, it's feeling good just going through the motions every day, you know, coming into spring ball. So.
0: There was the uh, the sweet play you made on the sideline here where you guys were backed up against the end zone. What did you see there, and what was the – what was the play that helped you get open?
2: Uh, Shoot, I just saw a hole. I tried to hit it as fast as I can. You
0: know, I got rolled up, got stepped on. But, you know, we just yeah,
2: gone through the motions, trying to run through stuff.
0: Biggest differences you noticed in this offense? You had a couple nice touches on some inside screens and stuff like that. Is that a, a new fold you guys have? Definitely a new fold. You know, we're trying to get into the screen. You're not games. done yet either. You got a lot more to go. Just so stay
2: tuned. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah uh, I Got your question.
0: <laughs> I mean, it just seems like there's some uh, interesting new folds. You don't have to go into the details. But, I mean, what, what are the biggest differences just broadly in this new offense? offense.
2: Uh, just, you know, running the plays that we put in. You know, big plays that we're putting in, we're going to run them so we get those
3: big plays for, you know, the games. You've done a couple of these spring sessions, so just how, how did this one compare to la- the last few years? Like, what did you notice about this that stood out? Shoot, nothing really. I mean, just
2: coming out here with the team, you know, just trying to get each other better, you know, for the fall. We... <laughs> We're just trying to get each other better for the fall, so uh, nothing really too uh, different.
3: Not to say you guys weren't last year, but is the offense pretty excited about uh, the changes that they've made this season?
2: Uh, yeah, we're definitely all excited for the changes that we got. We just feel more uh, versatile, for sure.
3: What was kind of the biggest goal coming into spring ball, and do you guys feel like you've achieved it? Uh, really just
2: spreading the ball out, trying to spread the field so our run game could get better altogether. So I think as an offense, our pass game got better, and that was our goal.
0: Aaron Fonts, junior writer, receiver for the Grizz football team, here on Nuanas Now. It's the Montana Football Hour, presented by Blackfoot Communications. Blackfoot Communications has been serving Montana homes for more than six decades, providing communities with new and better ways to communicate in and connect to a changing world. With their expanding high-capacity fiber network and innovative voice solutions, Blackfoot's customers have access to the latest technologies Backed by 24-7 technical support. To learn more about how Blackfoot can provide the right services for your business, visit goblackfoot.com. It's not just Fonts. It's not just Keelan White. It's not just Ryan Simpson. You heard the cameo there by Xavier Harris, who had a phenomenal day, rushed for almost 100 yards. He, like Fonts, is a junior out of Oxford, California. Great running back. Cole Grossman did not suit up in this game, but he's Also, obviously, a big-time weapon. Junior Bergen, suited up but did not play in this game. He's also, obviously, a big-time weapon. And if they got a guy that can deliver them the football, that certainly is big-time. I also saw, though, a prioritization on finding mismatches for a bunch of those guys that I just named. Exploiting man coverage by throwing the ball over the middle of the field, like Keelan White did on his touchdown. Exploiting man coverage by throwing the ball up to the pylon for your six-foot-six wide receiver, like Sam Vidlak did with Ryan Simpson. I do think that one of the biggest positives you could take away from Friday is, I'm not saying Brent Pease we can define as a better offensive coordinator than Tim Rosenbaugh per se, but it's a fresh look, and it seems as if the key culprits that Montana need to be good are responding incredibly well to that fresh look the White talks about exactly that. Here is the Montana junior wide receiver on the changes in the offense.
3: What are some of your biggest takeaways from this game and then this spring session as a whole?
4: Biggest takeaways, I'd say,
5: is... Just our overall offensive scheme is very intricate and complex. But a bunch of guys are catching on and we're a, good, we're a
0: good year. What would you say are the biggest differences you notice, just broadly in, in the offensive scheme?
5: Um, <laughs> <that answer there. laughs> I put me on the spot there. Uh, <laughs> I just say getting the ball in the players' hands that what we've really been able to accomplish this
0: week. Yeah, Take us through your touchdown. It looked like—I mean, it was a great throw. It threw you open, and you—you uh, you got it in stride. What'd you see? It was a great throw. I—I saw—I
5: uh, saw man coverage. Corner was sitting on it a little bit, so I just threw right past him, and then,
0: yeah, Sam made a great throw. Keelan White here on Nuwana's now, wide receiver. The Grizz football team, he and Aaron Fonts, each talking about some of the differences with the Grizz offense. I have a whole bunch more to say about this, so let's do it. More Grizz spring game on the Montana Football Hour, presented by Blackfoot Communications, including sound bites from Montana head coach Bobby Houck. Right after this, keep it right here, it's ESPN Radio.
4: Nuanas is Nuwana's Now on 102.9 ESPN Radio Missoula.
0: As I always say here on Nuana's Now, my number one criteria for wanting to go to a concert here in Missoula, because I love live music and I'm happy, so happy that the weather's turning and that we're getting into the summer months, and it's one of the things that we can never take for granted. It's so awesome, the venues that we have here in Missoula and some of the acts that we get coming through this city. But my number one criteria for going to a show in Missoula is not necessarily do I love the artist that's coming. Does Missoula love the artist that's coming? And make no mistake, pretty much everybody that rolls through town, there's a certain uh, number of you that that like them or love them. That's why they're booking them to come here. But there's certain artists that just Missoula just loves that 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 this, Missoula just shows out so hard for, and uh, like Camp is one of them. Who we just played right there, Rainbow Kitten Surprise, is another one. So I got some tickets today. Or I guess I got on the pre-sale list. I'm going to get some tickets. But Rainbow Kitten Surprise coming back to Missoula. Their show last year was canceled. I am only now just getting into these guys. But guess what? Or I guess these fine folks, I should say. But guess what? Missoula loves this show. That's why they're coming here twice, September 20th, September 21st. So, uh, that uh I mean... I will always get tickets to a show like that, even if I'm not that familiar with the group. But, you know, I got till September to to sort of peruse the catalog. But if Missoula loves them, I'm trying to go just because of the spectacle that is Missoula <laughs> when uh, fun and funky shows like that come to town. Let's talk some more Grizz Springball. First of all, here is the uh, guys that didn't play in the spring game. This is from my uh, rudimentary tracking, but they also had a participation report on the... Uh, the stats. So uh, between my notes and those that came from Montana Sports Information, here's the guys that didn't play: Junior defensive end Kyle Edwards, who sli- uh, slotted to be a starter; Sawyer Rocadelli, who is a former Washington transfer who tore his knee last uh, fall, so he's just out uh, as a continuation of that. A uh, Trey John Cotton, who's a senior safety; Junior Bergen, who's a junior wide receiver; Corbin Walker, who's a senior cornerback; David Kopeng who's a senior safety, Cole Grossman, who's a junior tight end, sophomore wide receiver Drew Deck, junior wide receiver Camden Burstrait, junior running back Nick Ostmo, who was uh, at times the featured back for the Grizz and certainly a guy who's contributed uh, all of the time when he's been healthy over the last several years for the Grizz. Riley Wilson, who's a transfer linebacker from Hawaii, Although, uh, I do think that that was an error on the participation report because I actually found a picture of Riley Wilson. So, scratch that. I do believe Riley Wilson played. Um, other guys I didn't have in the lineup. Ethan Barney, who's a redshirt freshman offensive lineman. Ian Finch, who's a redshirt freshman wide receiver. He also had a knee injury last year. He's a walk-on out of Hellgate. Uh, so, that's just a, a continuation of that. Also, didn't see Micah Ashton, sophomore tight end. Uh, redshirt freshman tight end Joe Wyda. Joe Wida. Richard sophomore tight end Peyton Brammer but these guys very well could have played we might have just missed them but they didn't get on the participation report Uh, then Jacob McGowan junior defensive end he had a knee injury more recently and that's likely going to cost him part if not all of the upcoming season and then Alex Gubner, who is a all-American caliber defensive tackle uh a lot of these guys that I just listed, they warmed up and they went through you know, the, the early stuff. They just didn't play in the 11-on-11s, and I think that's just because they were keeping some of their most proven veteran guys like Grossman and Gubner, uh, Trajan Cotton, you know, uh, David Cobain, keeping, Corbin Walker. They're keeping the guys like that out so they don't get uh, too dinged up. So that's kind of the tail the tape of who did and didn't play. But again, as I mentioned, I think that the, uh, the story of the day was just how good Sam Vidlak looked. 11 of 1,552 yards. A couple great touchdown throws. One uh, in the corner of the end zone to Ryan Simpson, and one uh, right over the middle of the field to a streaking Keelan White. Uh, here's Aaron Fonts, who himself got a touchdown and also several Vidlak passes. Fonts's touchdown, though, was thrown by Chris Brown, who also had a decent day uh, there for the Maroon squad. Here's Aaron Fonts on Sam Vidlak.
2: I love the way he throws. He, you know, gets the ball to me, gets the ball to all the other uh, wide receivers. and he's uh, consistent in what he does. You know, just making plays. So, I mean, uh, Sam's just doing a good job overall. How's your guys early Are you doing work
5: outside of practice, or how have you guys meshed so far? Yeah, we're
2: doing work outside of practice, you know, every, you know, Saturday, Sundays, you know, what days we have off. You know, we try to definitely get some work, just us, uh, Keenan, Samp, Finch. So, I'll just try to get some work in, for sure, with all the other quarterbacks.
0: Well, the other big storylines coming into this uh next season will be replacing some of those headlining guys on defense like we mentioned for the Grizz. Justin Ford is multiple-time All-American at corner. Patrick O'Connell, multiple-time All-American outside linebacker. Marcus Wellnell, a multiple-time All-Big Sky selection at uh, inside linebacker. Robbie Houck, a a multiple-time All-American as well as the all-time leading tackler in the history of Big Sky Conference football. That's a lot of production to replace, but that's sort of the way that the story goes in college football all the time. I do think that Montana needs to address some weaknesses in their secondary on the, on the transfer market. I do, they absolutely got to bring in a corner, if not two, both to boost competition but also to boost depth, and I just think that they just need another elite guy. I think that they're one elite corner short of being good at that position, if not two. So I do think they need to fortify that. They do have some uh, veteran returners coming back at safety, uh, led by Garrett Graves, who's expected to be uh, one of the better guys in the league now that he's an upperclassman. So there are some question marks in the secondary. But also, the replacements of linebackers, this has been the storyline at Montana for decades. You know, how do you replace Brock Coyle and Jordan Tripp? Will you roll in Kendrick Van Ackeren and Jeremiah Kose and Herbert Gamboa? right? Like How do you replace Jace Lewis and, and Dante Olson? Will you roll in Patrick O'Connell and Marcus Wellnell and Michael Matthews and some of the guys that were great players uh, these last couple years for the Grizz? They're going to be, at the very least, fine at linebacker. Some of the veteran guys that did get some reps are guys that probably need more reps because they haven't played as much football as the guys that played in front of them. Those guys are mainly Braxton Hill, who's a senior out of Anaconda, Levi Janicero, who's a senior out of Missoula Big Sky, and Tyler Flink, who's also a senior out of Missoula Big Sky, Ryan Tyrrell, who's a junior out of Missoula Loyola, and Carson Rostad, who's a junior out of Hamilton, Those guys also uh, are going to get a lot of playing time in this rotation. Janet Carroll was kind of a breakout guy last year. But I just think that Montana, because of their tradition, because of their head coach, and because they've proven it year in and year out, they remain linebacker U of the Big Sky Conference. So even though they do lose several uh, borderline NFL caliber talents in Patrick O'Connell and Marcus Weldell. Uh, they still have a, a lot of guys that I think at the very least will be solid, if not could be stars. Here's one of those guys. It was a little big scary product, Levi Janicaro. I
5: felt really good. I mean, it's crazy. I was a picture of my roommates. And two days ago, uh, I was in Tyler Flink's room, and I saw a picture of our first spring ball at the end of the game. I can't believe it's, that was five years ago. Uh, so it felt really great to come out here with boys and Run around for a last time.
3: Yeah, you're obviously one of the elder statesmen now, but like, what is this, this game, this opportunity, in spring in general like for a lot of these young guys?
5: Um, spring is probably the best opportunity that young guys have to grow and try to make a name for for themselves in, in, in the program because uh, they don't have to be on the scout team. You get a chance to go through our offensive defense, get better at your craft and what you're doing um, within the system. So they just have a really good opportunity to try to work their way in, 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 into the lineup into some playing time. With, with that, sorry, uh, Hulk said
3: that a lot of one thing he was really pleased with this spring was a lot of those guys underneath the guys that left have elevated themselves, and everyone's kind of elevated. And he's he's liked the way that people
5: have progressed.
3: Yeah, as a player's perspective, like how would you assess? That?
5: Yeah, I would I would have to agree. I think a lot of the young guys that needed to make jumps, they did. They did. They. We're serious about, about our practices, they were intentional about improving each and every day, and I think it really showed through, throughout the course of the five weeks of, of practice.
0: What's the what's the collective mindset of the linebackers group? Because you guys lose a couple studs, I mean, we watched them out here a couple of days ago, so uh, how do you guys sort of fill in those spots, and what's your mindset as a position group?
5: Um, position group is, I mean, when you lose guys like Marcus and Mike and Pat, it's, it's tough to fill those roles, so next man up. We're going to need to have everybody to chip in and contribute to what the linebackers are doing. I think the senior class, uh, Braxton and Flink and myself, we got to learn from such great linebackers like Jace, Pat, Mike and Marcus and Dante that we're taking what we learned and projecting that onto the younger guys and helping them grow so we're telling them that we're going to need them in the fall and i need to do something some growing up and i think that they did that this this uh, spring ball so i think it's, it's promising
0: one of the plays of the day was Gino leonard coming off the edge and sacking at Vidlak. so what would you think of Gino's play
5: i i love that he might be my favorite guy in the whole pod he's <laughs> he's, he's he's just he's such a delight he's the hardest worker in the room gotta be um watching him make make plays and have some success nothing puts a smile on my face more than Gino what was it like having the quarterback slide? Oh, weird, weird weird it's something like it's something that is hard to do if you've been practicing like not touching them the, the whole spring I came I got free on one play and I like started to slow up because I just don't think that I'm going to hit the quarterback and then he threw it and I was like ah! Oh, I forgot that I can finish through so, I mean, it's just, it, it is a lot of fun, but it's, you got to like remind yourself.
0: Well, great stories on the Grizz. A kid who was a outstanding high school quarterback walks onto the Grizz, gets switched to fullback, and uh, then finds his niche and has a breakout junior year uh, as a linebacker, Levi Janicaro, Missoula Big Sky product uh, here on Nuanas Now. Speaking of the quarterback being live, this is quintessential Bobby Hauck. This is what I'm talking about when I say, will they actually be able to embrace? Uh, an identity that includes the quarterback being a star or the star of the show and leading them to victory. The quarterbacks were live on Friday. Uh, There was several hits, several sacks. Hayden Harris, a transfer from UCLA, had a couple sacks. We'll hear from Bobby Houck on him uh, shortly. But uh, sort of the microcosm of what I'm talking about. And, again, you get what you emphasize, and and Bobby Houck is a phenomenal, tried-and-true defensive coach who's a phenomenal special teams uh, aficionado as well. But Geno Leonard, who's a walk-on kid out of Missoula Sentinel, he comes off the edge and he smashes Sam Bidlack from behind, and the ball squirts out and uh, the defense recovers. Now, so many programs, especially in 2023 modern college football, the head coach would bite the, the head off of the kid who who just hit, uh, you know, the potential if not certain starting quarterback uh, in a scrimmage. Bobby Alk just slapped Geno Leonard on the butt and uh, said, Turn over? <laughs> Let's roll. Of course, we asked Bobby Alk about the quarterbacks and about that play following the action.
3: Normally, there's not a not a ton of uh, big plays in, in offense. It seemed like there was a you know a lot of plays, a lot of you know big time throws. What you what do you see from the offense and in particular uh, a lot of the quarterbacks?
4: Well, I was watching the front, so I don't I don't really know. Um, I'll watch the film, and figure that out. But we completed a few passes; that was good.
0: He also went on to say uh, when I asked him about. The blindside hit from Gina Leonard, he says, yeah, we knocked the ball, we recovered it, and uh, turnover for the defense. That's what we want around here. <laughs> if Bobby Elk if nothing else, he's consistent, and you got to appreciate it. You want us now, ESPN Radio. It is the Montana Football Hour. It's presented by Blackfoot Communications. To learn more about how Blackfoot can provide the right service for your business, visit goblackfoot.com. As I mentioned, I do think that they need to bring in a couple transfer corners. I thought that was the spot where it had, they have the most glaring weaknesses is in the defensive secondary, but particularly at cornerback. Part of that's cuz Corbin Walker was out, part of that's cuz Justin Ford graduates. Uh if Dylan Simmons, a sophomore, or Trevin Gradney, a junior, could take the next step and, and become true like headlining top, you know, maybe even potentially all conference level talents, that'd be big. Uh, Andrew Trevilian, who was a junior college transfer they brought in, kid who originally committed to Sam Houston State. He also is talented. I just think that you can't go wrong at corner. If you bring in a couple really talented transfers, if those guys rise to the top and are your starters, you needed it. If those guys don't, they're going to promote the other guys, push the other guys to be a lot better. We're also always going to be focused on the fronts. And I thought that Montana's offensive front The way that they split these teams up, it was maroon versus silver, even though they're wearing white. That was very confusing to me. But maroon versus a silver team. I get it. The Grizz colors are maroon and silver, whatever. But the maroon team, its starting offensive line was the Grizz starting offensive line. Chris Walker uh, at left tackle. uh, Hunter McGinnis at left guard. A.J. Forbes at center. Journey Grimsrud at right guard and Brandon Casey at right tackle. The Maroons' second-team offensive line was also basically the Grizz' backup offensive line. Colin Drees at left tackle, Liam Brown at left guard, Michael Ray at center. Uh, Journey Grimsford was also playing at right, right guard. He was getting one and two reps there because they are trying to accelerate his development. He's a converted defensive lineman, sophomore uh, out of Huntley Project. And then Dylan Butner was the, uh, the right tackle for the Maroons. So basically the top ten guys... Were the unit were the offensive line for the Baroon, and then the the White had uh, then like what would amount to be the third and the fourth O line. That's part of why I think the White's quarterback struggled a lot. I mean, they're obviously the third and fourth guys, Caden Hewitt and AJ Abbott, but they also were playing behind uh, not necessarily the top tier offensive line. Regardless, uh, I'm tepid about the offensive line, but leaning toward being optimistic. I do think that they have a chance to be better than they've been any time since. Bobby Howick's return. But like I always say, being better than you have been and being one of the best in the league are two different things. If this group fulfills its potential, maybe they could be one of the better offensive lines in of the league. The Grizz got to have it if they want to win a conference championship. Here's Bobby Hawke on the offensive line. Looked like you were operating in in pretty uh, consistent units with the offensive line. Is is that was that the case? Did you kind of have kind of three teams, there two on the maroon and one on the white? Uh, yeah, for the most part. I
4: mean, you got to divide them up somehow kind of
0: how he did it. Anything in particular uh, stand out just about the way that those units are coming together, particularly the, the, the top unit for the Maroon today? Well, I feel really good 2-D.
4: First time, I think, probably since 2009. Um, I think we've got
0: guys that can play on the offensive line, which is, you know, it's kind of reassuring. You kind of saw that with the, the, I guess you'd say the twos on the maroon with guys like Colin Drees and Dylan Botner and, and Journey, or, uh, Liam Brown all, all fitting in there. So, I mean, is that kind of a sign of, of that depth? Yeah, for sure. They're, they're right now they're with the,
4: for most of the days this spring, they were with the second group. Some days they went with the first group. Um, the goal is to be able to be two deep. And, you know, for a while we were trying to get to one deep. And uh, I just, I like where that sits.
0: When a guy comes off the edge like Gino Leonard did and, and hits the quarterback, what's going through your mind? Because I know you, you like defense. You like your guys to hit, but also, you know, a good shot on the quarterback. Yeah, knock the ball out. Just drive over with. Don't give up any points. I forgot that I put it on the end of the offensive line part, not the quarterback's part. But Bobby Houck, uh, consistent uh, as always. Noah is now ESPN Radio. Uh, my last thought here, and we'll, we'll keep talking uh, probably throughout the rest of this week as well about the Grizz. I mean, who are we kidding? We're going to talk Grizz and Bobcat football as often as we can here uh, on Nuanas now. But I did think that the, the the transfer that probably showed the strongest was Hayden Harris, defensive end out of UCLA. He certainly looks the party. Six foot five, 250 plus pounds. Uh, he's, he's sort of slight because he is so tall. But certainly explosive, and uh, he moves well for sure. And the other guy that I thought really stood out was Jareb Ramos. Not Jareded, but Jarub. That's correct. J-A-R-E-B. But he's a kid out of Colorado who originally signed with Colorado State. They had a coaching change. He ends up at Montana. Uh, he's one of only two Gris defensive linemen that weigh over 280 pounds. Alex Gubner, who didn't play on Friday night, is the other one. But Ramos cer- certainly showed flashes. I asked Bobby Halk about both. On that note, on, on the note of the transfers, uh, Hayden Harris really flashed today. What did you like about him when you were recruiting him, and did that translate into uh, the spring session? Well, he's a, he's a big athletic guy. He's got good bend,
4: good frame, uh, pretty good get-off, and – you know, I
0: think he's made progress this spring. The other guy that showed flashes for the white D-line was, was Jared Ramos. I know you liked him coming in. He had a couple nice stops down there on the goal line when they, they were trying to sneak it in before the end of the first half. What did you like about his performance?
4: You know, he's probably on that list I should have given to Kyle. Uh, he's got, He's made some progress this spring. He, he's uh, far better than he was uh, a month
0: ago. Well, the interesting part about Ramos, he's only a redshirt freshman. He's six four two eighty three. That's what he's listed at. Uh, I saw him after the scrimmage in street clothes. Uh, he is not very. How do you say? It? I mean, he has a lot of room to put on weight. He is. He is very um, chiseled and put together, but not necessarily doesn't have that much mass or girth compared to how big his frame is. I, I think he could be a three hundred pound guy uh, without being fat. Uh, Pretty easily, and I think that's a positive return for the Grizz because they're going to need them. They, they, I think that's the other spot on defense. I think their linebackers are going to be fine. I think their safeties are going to be fine because they just almost always are. They need to bring in a a transfer at quarterback, or excuse me, at cornerback. Maybe two transfers at cornerback, and I think they need to fortify their interior defensive line depth. Governor is a war daddy. He's one of the best guys in the league, but but he's going to get dinged sometimes. Maybe Ramos is right there. That's great, but I I think you need a third guy there to really fortify uh, that depth. We'll take a step outside of football and talk a little bit of basketball. We got contract details for Danny Sprinkle, Montana State's favorite son, on the move to Utah State, and he's getting straight paid, baby. Sprinkle contract details next. Keep it right here. No on is now ESPN Radio. Colter Nuanas coming to you through the ESPN MT studio here at the Missoula Broadcasting Company on behalf of both ESPN Missoula and Skyline Sports here with some of our friends from Blackfoot Communications, one of our great business partners at both entities. They've done so much for us in helping us develop so many different things at Skyline Sports. Also help bring you our ESPN radio podcast network as well. We're here with Hannah Kreis from Blackfoot Communications. She is a business development representative. Tell people just about your history at Blackfoot. How long have you been at Blackfoot?
1: Yeah, I've been at Blackfoot three years now.
0: When it comes to just uh, your actual job title, what is it that you do? I mean, what is your primary things that uh, go on in your day-to-day at Blackfoot?
1: Yeah, so I target and work with small businesses um, and just helping them get connected to internet and phone services just smaller grade equipment and services that they might need and not all of the bigger enterprise.
0: What's your favorite part about your job at Blackfoot?
1: I like connecting with people and meeting new people and going out and just having those conversations and getting to know them in the community.
0: And how about just the organization in general? I mean, it it, it seems like such a great company to work for.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's very community-based, very family-oriented inside as well. And it's definitely very enjoyable.
0: If you want to find out more about Blackfoot Communications in general, visit goblackfoot.com. Great website, very easy to navigate. They can help you with all sorts of things, from small business development to any sort of fiber, internet, communications, anything like that, small business networking, all of it. Visit goblackfoot.com. One, two, three. One is now on ESPN Radio. I think I'm into them. They sound pretty cool. I know a lot of you guys are into them, though. Rainbow Kitten Surprise. Strange band name. But uh, certainly some groovy tunes. They're coming to Missoula. Two dates in September, September 20th and 21st. That's a Wednesday and a Thursday. uh, That announcement made today. So you probably find me there. Add another uh, concert to my list. one is now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. We talked a bunch of football here uh, on the Montana Football Hour, but let's talk just a little bit of basketball to finish things out here. Uh, The first hour of every Monday show, always. Uh, where we designate so much time talking about football, basketball, whatever the, uh, the season of the moment is. Basketball season is over, but huge basketball news Friday morning. Danny Sprinkle, Montana State men's basketball coach, no longer because he's going to Utah State. Sprinkle had his introductory press conference today. We'll play you some sound bites from that tomorrow or Wednesday. Still uh, ironing out the details of the, the uh, matrix for the week. Uh, in terms of what we're going to have on the show, but Sprinkle's contract was solidified today as well. Here is how it's all going to go down. Sprinkle will become the highest-paid coach in Utah State history, boasting a starting salary at nine hundred thousand dollars. Sprinkle agreed to a five-year deal Friday that begins with nine hundred thousand dollars base salary and includes a twenty-five thousand dollars annual raise each year for five years. Sprigle's base salary in Bozeman this last year, $185,711. Sprinkle will also get $530,000 to allocate uh, between his three assistants. So he's going to have a, uh, a healthy budget for hiring assistants. And he'll also have $150,000 that will be allocated annually to employ a director of basketball operations. That's crazy. Like, basketball operations people make Probably about like one-eighth of that amount of money in the Big Sky Car. $150,000 for basketball ops, administrative positions, and a full-time grad assistant as well. So uh, plenty of incentives in this thing. He's also going to get a private jet to recruit. But also, how about this? Utah State makes money on this deal because Ryan Odom, who went to uh, Virginia Commonwealth, VCU, Utah State uh, owed him $1.2 million VCU is going to pay that as a buyout of Odom's contract. The Aggies only owe Montana State $250,000 to buy out Sprinkle's contract. So Utah State makes almost a million dollars by hiring Danny Sprinkle <laughs> because of the buyout from VCU. That's that's uh, college, uh, college athletics in a nutshell. The other uh, big part of this contract is... Uh, If he terminates the contract for convenience within the first two years, he owes the university 75% of remaining salary. If Sprinkle terminates in the final three years, he owes 50% of remaining salary. If Utah State terminates his contract without cause at any point, it owes Sprinkle 75% of his remaining salary. So a very healthy buyout uh, in here for Danny Sprinkle as well. We'll talk more about what this move means for Montana State and the rest of the Big Sky in hour number two, as well as throughout the rest of this week. But hour one is in the books. It is the Montana Football Hour presented by Blackfoot Communications. With their expanding high-capacity fiber network and innovative voice solutions, Blackfoot's customers have access to the latest technologies backed by 24-7 technical support. To learn more about how Blackfoot can provide the right service for your business, Visit goblackfoot.com. We'll get Andrew Houghton's reactions on Danny Sprinkle's move. We also got an update on the Grizz lacrosse team who had a successful weekend. We'll give you some more thoughts on the Masters and Riley Corker, the voice of the Grizz, will swing by to talk Grizz Spring football, the Masters, Josh Bannon to the Brisbane Bullets, and much, much more. A jam-packed hour number two coming at you. Keep it right here. It's Noonas is Now, ESPN Radio.